0: Welcome to Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage. I'm Greg.
1: And I'm Erin. We've been married for 31 years. We're marriage counselors, and we lead the marriage team here at Focus on the Family. Today's topic is super important, Greg. Yeah, it is. We're talking about recognizing spiritual warfare, identifying it in your marriage, and relearning to pursue each other.
0: Yeah, because even... You know, a part of spiritual warfare is just allowing maybe things that are important to the health of our marriage, sort of, that help keep us really connected, allow those things to drop off because we get busy and we do other things. And I remember when COVID hit, mm-hmm. you know, we we were used to, to our date nights and kind of our connection around doing fun things like that, mm-hmm. really around traveling to do marriage events. And then COVID hit and that was gone.
1: It came to a screeching halt. Yeah. Yeah. We would go away to teach a marriage event and then usually have um, one night, maybe a Saturday night to where we could go out to dinner, go to the movies, go explore something new. It was adventurous because we were in different cities each time. And then, yeah, when COVID hit, we didn't have that anymore. So we really had to focus on how do we um, really connect in a new way. Yeah. Because we didn't have the events to teach together. We didn't have the new city. We didn't have the new places to go on date nights. I mean, we didn't have anywhere to go for a date <laughs> night, a matter of fact. But, Except to walk
0: around the neighborhood with masks Yeah, on. we
1: had to discover, rediscover. I remember kind of one of our, our new traditions became and um, we ordered wings on Friday night.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> that
1: That's was true. our date night. Yeah, <laughs> and it was exciting. Oh,
0: I miss those. <laughs> I <do. laughs> get wings tonight uh-huh. because you're right. It's about relearning to pursue each other. We had yeah. to figure that out. In and there's going to be moments uh, in in this journey called marriage that we're going to have to relearn how to yeah. really reconnect. And we at the same time we have an enemy mm-hmm. who hates our marriage, hates our connection despises our unity. Right, He wants us to, to get so busy that, mm-hmm. that we're not connecting he that way.
1: He wants us to be set up as adversaries yeah. and to destroy this thing called marriage that God created. Anything that God created, Satan hates. Yeah. So of course, he's after our marriage and our connection and unity.
0: Yeah. So let's focus on that today, spiritual warfare and how that can really impact mm-hmm. our connection in our intimacy. Mm-hmm. And Aaron, actually a great way to begin to battle spiritual warfare is to take our marriage assessment because one of the things that we're looking at is our shared spiritual relationship. Mm-hmm. And that's such an important way to battle against the spiritual warfare. So we encourage you take that assessment because it's going to really highlight some strengths in your marriage, as well as some growth areas. So maybe for some of you, maybe you're not connecting spiritually. Mm-hmm. And boy, that's just that the door that opens for Satan's attack when we're not connecting that way. So take that assessment, see how you score, mm-hmm. and it's going to encourage you to see what you're doing well and just some things you, you need to pay attention to.
1: Yeah. And research shows that even taking a marriage assessment improves your relationship and your connection. So Just going and taking the marriage assessment is going to feed your marriage.
0: Yeah, so we'll put a link to this marriage assessment. Again, it's free. We'll put that link in our show notes. Well, we've got some great segments coming up. Later on, we're going to hear a devotion from Bill Arbuckle about how we can combat spiritual warfare in our marriage. We're also going to hear a question from one of our listeners Who wants to know, how much time should we be spending together as our kids are getting older?
1: Mm. But first, we had a great conversation with Jason and Tori Benham about how they recognize spiritual warfare in their marriage and how they relearned to pursue each other. They're great authors, speakers with some great thoughts. So let's listen to the conversation we had with Jason
0: and Tori. Well, and Jason, you guys talk about in the book that your dad said often that the warfare of your soul takes place on the battlefield of your mind. Yeah. I-, I love that. Talk about that.
2: Well, you know, I mean, obviously we see this all throughout Scripture, that if you want to change your behavior, you got to change your thinking. If you want to change your thinking, you got to change the way that you're seeing the world. That's why paradigm change comes first. That's why we want to open couples' eyes to the reality of the spiritual battle that's taking place. This recognize, renounce, replace is literally the pattern that Jesus showed us when he was tempted in the wilderness, that he has to first recognize, oh, Satan, there you are. That's you. You know, I mean, we're all familiar when, when Jesus uh, called Peter Satan, when, when he looked, said, get behind me, Satan. We remember that. But see, Jesus recognized that Satan was the one who was animating Peter at that time. That Peter had bought into a thought that was put into his mind by Satan, and Jesus recognized it. Now, if we can just do the same thing in our own minds—that when you that negative thought does pop in—and Aaron says, "You know what, Greg? I don't know what what's gone on with him lately, but he should be going to get our daughter right now. Maybe he's too busy. Maybe he really doesn't care." It's boom right there. Recognize ah. Satan, I recognize you. Yeah, you're parading around like an angel of light, but I can tell that you're not an angel of light. Mm. So I'm going to renounce the lie that you're trying to get me to believe, and I'm going to replace it with truth. Actually, Greg is a very sharp and handsome and beautiful man. Agreed. You know? And I love him. <laughs> I'm a trophy <laughs> you know? so,
0: husband, really.
2: That's right. But it all takes place in the mind. Mm-hmm. So if we can win that battle in the mind, that's where Satan wants to wage war. You know, the number one relationship killer, according to Dr. John Gottman, is contempt. When a spouse begins to think contemptuous thoughts toward another spouse, and it's left unchecked, and, you, and you're thinking, and it's the negative thinking, if you leave that unchecked, and you don't recognize the source that it's coming from, which is Satan, then it will, lead, it will actually tear you apart, and those contemptuous thoughts will rip you apart. And so we can't let that happen. That's why I recognize, renounce, replace. We've had people literally after seminars that we've done come back and say that. That's what I needed. Okay, now I have actual handles on how I'm going to win this battle in my mind so that I can overcome the negative thinking that I've had toward my spouse so it's it's something very powerful and it does greg take place in the mind
0: that is i really like the the recognize renounce and replace really fighting the the spiritual warfare of how satan wants to fill us with his lies i know for for me Really in those moments where I'm frustrated with Aaron, which I mean obviously happens like every you know, once a year, maybe. <laughs>
2: but it, no, exactly every
1: ten years, so yeah, it's right. happened three times.
0: Right. Every decade
2: I have to do this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, usually your your dispute is over the fact that there's too much dust on her wings. Right. Oh, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. In
0: my Halo. <laughs> yeah. The Halo. yeah. yeah. <laughs> but what what I love is really for for me that that battle as you guys are talking about is that that I have to give her the benefit of the doubt instead of jumping wow. to the conclusion or assuming that, that I know what she's talking about, really being willing to, to give her grace. And I think part of how grace can show up in a marriage is when I see Erin for who she's been. We've been married for 30 years. So who she's been over 30 years versus how she's showing up in that moment, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. we all have okay. those off moments to where we, yeah, I do, I show up ugly in certain moments. And yet what a, what a gift as you guys are talking about when we choose to see who our spouse has been consistently over that that time but that that means okay. that we're tapping into to what the lord really is his truth in in what he's thinking and man yeah. that's 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 powerful you guys also what what I love too about your book is that you also really talk about fighting to reignite love, and so you talk a lot yeah. about conflict, which is important in in and, and again, just your reminder it's spiritual warfare we've got to check in with the Lord recognize renounce, and replace um Tori, you guys talked about in the book, kind of there was a, a time that you believed like you had settled in your mm-hmm. marriage. Kind of describe what mm-hmm. was going on for you in that season.
3: Yeah. So when Jason and I first got married, well, I should, I should back it up. In our dating years, Jason pursued me so hard. Like it was, it was. we were a long distance relationship. He knew what and he it wanted. it was honestly, <laughs> yeah, he yeah, he did. He went for it. He was going for it. And so when we got married the first couple of years... Jason kind of shifted from pursuing me to pursuing his career, and I was kind of devastated about it. Like, I really, I liked when all the attention was on me, <laughs> and suddenly there wasn't <laughs> that much do. attention there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and so those first couple of years, I just, I was really, like, just praying to the Lord, like, turn, turn his his heart back to me, and then you know, after several years and we, I got pregnant five months after we got married. Wow. And so that was a bit of a surprise. And so, but really we just, life just hit so fast that just a couple years in, I was like, well, this is just normal. And I had prayed for a couple of years that the Lord would bring his heart, you know, turn his heart back to me. But then I just got started looking at couples around us and I'm like, this seems kind of normal. You know, this is this life and we've got kids now and we've got responsibilities and priorities and and so I just kind of settled into it, and I was like, "This is good I think we're I think we're okay and then i I think it was just like five or six years into to our our marriage um Jason was up early in the morning, and we he he's done this our entire marriage where he has listening prayer where he just asked the Lord to speak to him in his prayer time, and the Lord really convicted him now i hadn't honestly hadn't been praying for the Lord to turn His heart back to, to me for probably, you know, two or three years at this point. I had just kind of settled. But the Lord heard, my, you know, He uh, even though it had been so many years, I had prayed. This was the prayer that I had prayed for years, like, turn His heart back to me, and the Lord did it through this listening prayer. He was God just said to him, you need to pursue your wife like you're pursuing your career. You're asking questions about what to do, what the next steps are for your career. Well, what about your marriage? Mm. And so that was, that hey, Tor, was Can beginning. I pick it up from
2: there? Yes. Tor, we, let me pick it up from there just because I remember, and, and this is, this is an indictment to all the men out there, you know, we, we pursue our wives so hard before we get married and, and we've, you know, we put an engagement ring on their finger, you know, right. because we're fully engaged. Mm. And what I discovered was, is that engagement is not supposed to end at I do. It's only supposed to be kicked into high gear. Hmm. But, see, I was pursuing Tori, and then we got married, and so I accomplished her, and now it's time for me to build a career, right? right? You know, started my own business and all sorts of things. Kids and and all of that, yep. Yeah, we've we've heard this, but, you know, that that phrase, familiarity breeds contempt. But Mm. what I discovered Mm. is that, in, in reality, comfort, apart from conquest, breathe contempt, which means you've got it, that conquest, it's like that never ending pursuit to reach the summit. You know, like if you're gonna try to get to the top of Mount Everest. You've got to continue to try to reach the top. And you're never really there in a relationship. And yet you enjoy the process. And so I had reached the top. I had married Tori and she was great. Now I'm gonna go try to summit another mountain peak, you know, of of business. And the Lord really started to convict me as I was up in the morning and would always do listening prayer in the morning for my business. And then the Lord just said, Hey you know, you're pursuing your business pretty hard. Why don't you, why don't you start pursuing your wife, start praying for her. Wow. Mm-hmm. So I got up and I, every morning at five 30 in the morning, I get up and I get down on my knees beside the bed and I put my hands on her and I always made sure that I put it above the shoulder. So she didn't think I was making some early morning move <laughs> or anything like that. <laughs> it's a safe zone. And, and I just began to pray and, and, and my prayer was Lord, Okay, so on a scale of one to ten, our marriage is hovering around a six or a seven, which, in my understanding, that's about where it should be, right? Because we're supposed to not stay, like, uh, in the honeymoon, in love. Yeah, yeah you're not yeah. supposed to stay, like, that was my thinking. But I felt like the Lord was saying, but I've got more for you. I mean, mm-hmm. do you want a ten? And so if you want a ten, just pray for it pray for it and ask it. And so I did. And for two weeks I did that. And then God gave me a dream. It was about another man pursuing Tori. Mm. And I woke wow. up from that dream and I swear, I looked over at her, it was about 2.30 in the morning and she had no idea she was in love with another man. And I was so <laughs> mad. <laughs> but, but God gave me that dream and it felt so real inside of mm. my body mm. that all of a sudden that swarm of jealousy came over me. And then I felt like the Lord, as I got down on my knees and I began to pray again, right next to the bed with my hands on Tori, and the Lord said, pursue her, like that guy in the dream was pursuing her. And I'm like, yes, Lord, okay, I want to do that, but how? Isn't yeah. it funny? We get married and we forget how to pursue the right. heart of our spouse. Right. And I got into the scripture, Revelation 2, when the Lord was talking to the church of Ephesus, he said, you've done a lot of good things, but you lost the love you had at first. And then he gave me a three-step process right from Revelation 2, where it says, remember what you did before, repent for letting your love grow cold, and redo the things you did before. Remember, repent, redo. And so over the next few weeks, I began to remember what I used to think about Tori, what I used to feel for her. I actually started playing some of the old songs that I would play. Mm -hmm. I remember... From Here to Eternity by Michael Peterson, I Do by Mark Wills, all the good yeah, country yeah. love songs. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I began to remember those things, and my heart started to, like, beat faster for Tori. And the next thing I know, we're dancing in the kitchen to those same songs after the kids go to bed. I repented for letting my love grow cold, and I started to redo all the things that I did to win her heart in the first place. And here's the thing, guys. We've been married 22 years this December— I've been doing it for, ever since that fifth year of marriage, I've been doing it for the last 17 years, and I promise you, I feel as much Twitter patient, heart racing type stuff for Tori as I did before we got married, because God came in and changed my heart, and I began to pursue her. And, and when you do that, see, the best marriages aren't between two people, they're between three, where it's the husband, the wife, and you bring God into the mix. Mm. And God isn't just your father, he's your father-in-law. And he wants nothing more for you to love his son or daughter and to pursue their heart. And when you do that, he comes in and says, hey, I'm going to reward you. I'm actually going to 10x your effort. And then at the same time, Tori's responding to, to my pursuits. And, and by God's grace, God put our marriage from a, from a 6 to a 10 instantly.
0: Well, Erin, I want to piggyback on something the Benhams talked about, and they said sometimes after several years of marriage, we lose the spark that mm-hmm. we had at the beginning. and And I appreciate that perspective because it really is about relearning to pursue mm-hmm. our spouse. and 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 I know for you and I, I think now after 31 years of marriage, we really understand the importance of this idea of really being curious mm-hmm. about each other.
1: Yeah, because an attitude of curiosity. Um, is one that you don't believe that you know everything to know about your spouse. Like, you don't know what they're going to say or what they're feeling or what they're going to do. You're just being curious and wondering, like, huh, how are you feeling? And I wonder what he is going to do. I wonder what got triggered or I wonder what he loves right now, what's stressing him out. So really, it's being intentional about rediscovering each other and going down the road of who is my spouse today because the one thing that's guaranteed is we're always changing.
0: Yeah. And really I I remember a time as as a very young counselor so I was actually in my postdoc residency so I was working for this community mental health center and I had this couple who came in and and they'd been married probably about the same time we'd been married so 30 plus years and it's just one of the saddest experiences I've ever had in a counseling session because as I'm talking to this couple, you can just feel the disconnect and just the you know just the the miles mm-hmm. between them as people and so I just started digging in tell me about what's been going on, and one of the things that this guy ended up saying in front of his wife, mm-hmm. which was shocking is he said, you know. He goes, you know, we've been coming to you now for a couple of weeks and you know I l- love what you're saying but I got to tell you just I mean the the truth is you know the the my wife is such a simple person that that there really there's nothing more that I need to learn about her that 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 I just I know everything there is to know about her. Ouch. She's that simple. And because I'd been really encouraging them keep discovering each other and learning and and to hear him kind of come back with, she's just simple, mm-hmm. like she's so basic mm-hmm. that I know everything there is to know. So, about what did her.
1: what did young Doctor Greg say? <laughs> well, <laughs> Very I, young Doctor yeah, Greg.
0: Yeah, I I, I just said, um, man, that just makes me sad that mm-hmm. you believe that
1: mm-hmm.
0: because we're always changing mm-hmm. and there's no way that because of how she's changing that you truly know everything there is to know about her. Mm. And I and I, I think I use the line one lifetime isn't long enough to get to know your mm-hmm. spouse, your wife, because she she's constantly changing. I guarantee mm-hmm. it. I guarantee you if I I, I would bet you money I didn't know what I was doing, so here I'm trying to bet the client money <laughs> that that I could go through and ask her some questions and she'll answer In ways that you'll go, oh, I didn't know that. Uh But I'm telling you, he dug in. I didn't understand power struggles and Mm -hmm. how to do so. I'm just totally challenging him, basically saying you're wrong. Mm -hmm. And I was right. It's probably not the best way to handle Mm -hmm. that in a counseling situation. But but that's the danger. The lie from the enemy. We're talking about spiritual warfare. Mm -hmm. The lie that Satan wants you to believe is that you know everything there is Mm -hmm. to know about your spouse. So there's Mm -hmm. no reason why I need to take time to really get to know you or to— you know, ask you questions, any of them.
1: Yeah. The interesting thing is when couples come in for counseling, um, it's always amazing to me when they're hearing stories that they've heard a hundred times, you know, stories from their spouse's childhood or their family of origin, or maybe even stories about what's happened in their own marriage. It's amazing to me how the other spouse, whoever's sharing the story, the other spouse, will say something along the lines of, I've heard that story a million times, but I've never heard that piece. Yeah. Or I've never heard it that way. I'm learning things sitting over here. And I just love that concept of there's always more to learn. That happened and, to me. I
0: didn't mean to cut you off, but remember we recently took our son and daughter to a bowl game uh-huh. in in it was f- featuring a school that you had gone to previously. Yes. And as you were telling our kids about your experience there, I was hearing things that I've never heard. And Mm -hmm. you and I have spent so much time Mm -hmm. talking. Mm -hmm. And so exactly what you're saying is true. I mean, I just experienced that going, huh. I thought in my mind, oh, that's so cool. I've never heard Mm -hmm. that element of that story of your first year in college.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's always more to learn. But we have to put that hat. I always say, put your hat of curiosity on. Take the hat of judgment off. Because when we judge or we believe that we know it all, then there is nothing to learn. From your perspective, it's taking those hats off and putting on the hat of curiosity and just going, huh i've I've never heard that before, or tell me more about that, or I'm so interested in that, so it's just it's just being curious and looking at your spouse listening to your spouse with the lens of curiosity
0: so if you're feeling that, yeah, we're just not that connected, maybe we've fallen into that trap of just mm-hmm. we're not pursuing each other, the best place that Aaron and I can possibly encourage you to begin. Is with that idea of rediscovering each other We're going to be curious and we'll we 'll put a link into our show notes with some conversation starters because that 's a fantastic way. To begin to learn the art of being curious and Mm -hmm. and kind of learning how to rediscover each other is just run through these conversation starters. Because
1: really it is asking great questions, asking great questions and then being willing to listen to the answer, not thinking you already know how they're going to answer it or thinking this is how I'm going to respond to that. You know, so it's going, I want to be a great Listener, as well as one that asks great questions. Because it's an art. Yeah, because you really can rediscover each other. Maybe you're feeling like you're in a rut and you just feel like you're married roommates and the enemy has just come in and kind of put this blase yeah. effect on your marriage. You know, what? start pursuing each other. You know, date nights, do something new. When you do something new on a date night, something adventurous it actually ignites the same parts of your brain yeah. that were ignited when you were first falling in love yeah. and it brings the butterflies back. So do some new things for date night, surprise each other with little gifts or tokens of appreciation, you know, increase your physical affection. Um, vote for that one. I'll note that. I didn't know that. I'm, <laughs> um, tell me more about that. I'm curious. <laughs>
0: I will show you yeah. later what I mean.
1: Um, appreciation and affirmation um, express, Um, appreciation for what your spouse does and affirm the things that you see in them, be a life giver. Um, because the enemy wants you to speak words of True. death over each other, speak words of life. That's and part of, course, of the spiritual This warfare. is all stuff that I have control of, yeah. that I can you know really care for me. Ask God to give me the strength and the curiosity that I need to engage, and you know also an open heart is going to make all the difference. The enemy wants to shut our hearts down, yeah. and then none of this will happen.
0: Well, those are some ideas. That Aaron and I have learned to really battle against the spiritual warfare. If you want to even go deeper into this idea of spiritual warfare, check out Jason and Tori's book, Beauty in the Battle, Winning in Marriage by Waging a War. It's a fantastic resource. And we have that here at Focus on the Family for a gift of any amount. When you get the book, you're supporting the show, and we just want to thank you for your generosity.
1: Yes, and all the details will be in the show notes.
4: Hey, I'm Bill Arbuckle with today's devotion. Glender Michael had one job, to look like he died in a plane crash. That's well, harder than it sounds. For starters, he needed to be dead, and the rat poison helped. Then he needed to assume the identity of a British military officer. Well, He also needed a girlfriend, and better yet, a fiancé. That cost him the engagement ring, emptied his bank account, and then some. And somewhere along the way, he picked up a briefcase filled with secret plans of a pending military invasion. Now, all that was left to do was wash up along the coast of Spain and fool the doctors who conducted his autopsy. when all was said and done, Glender Michael and a bunch of military planners pulled off one of the greatest deceptions of World War II. Michael's body and the letters, photos, and documents he carried Convinced Germany that allied forces would attack Greece when all along they planned to capture Sicily and set up operations in the Mediterranean. It worked. Deception is a powerful tool. The enemy distracts you in one area and then attacks in another. If you're not careful, you'll fall for his plan. Jesus knew that, and when tempted by the devil, he recognized the deception Renounce the lies and replace them with truth. Away from me, Satan, he said in Matthew 4, verse 10, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. On today's episode, Jason and Tori Benham encourage you to do what Jesus did when facing spiritual warfare in your marriage. Recognize the deception, renounce the lies, and replace them with truth. It's not easy. This is war. Your job is not to look like you've been in a plane crash, but to ask God's help to recognize and defeat the enemy's deceptions.
1: I always love listening to Bill and his ideas on right. various topics and he's such an expert in so many areas but especially in spiritual warfare right. and just being able to notice spiritual warfare within your marriage.
0: Yeah, I think for me one of the places that I've really learned to pay attention to is you know when we have conflict every once in a while, right? <laughs> when we experience conflict um, not today. Not today. So okay, it's a good, good day. Good, good. I I notice that in the midst of conflict, it's easy for my brain to begin to have all these extreme thoughts. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is so typical. Erin always, mm-hmm. you know, says that or is always treating mm-hmm. me this way. She's never, you know, the, this will never be different. Anytime you are hearing in your brain. Kind of the the extreme language. You're you're feeling that, you're thinking that, you're convinced that that's exactly true. Just understand that's spiritual warfare.
1: Yeah, spiritual warfare against how you view your spouse, but also what you believe about yourself. Recently engaging with a pastor, I was shocked at the things that he was really believing about himself. Hmm. And I literally sat there listening to the things he was saying and could not believe that the enemy had gotten hold of his mind. Yeah. Because the enemy had filled his mind with lies about who he was and you know being a failure and not good enough and never gonna measure up and all these things and I'm sitting there going and he said, I know a pastor shouldn't be thinking these things, but I do. And I'm like, No, you're exactly the person who the enemy's gonna go after because yeah, you have so influence. Fight back. Yes. And so we talked about how do we battle that.
0: Yeah, and I and I think that's a Beautiful way of how you can fight for your marriage mm-hmm. is just to recognize when those thoughts become extreme about your spouse. That's when you stop and you go to the Lord mm-hmm. and and say, "I'm God. I'm being attacked right now. Help protect me. Guard my yeah. brain. What is true about my spouse?" Yes. And you you'll always know when you when you encounter Satan's lies. It's chaotic. It's mm-hmm. extreme. Always divisive. Yeah. But God's truth will always calm your heart. Yeah. There, there's a calming effect there.
1: Well it's not only what's true about my spouse, what's true about me. Because if you're spinning around just between you and you, it doesn't matter what you think about your spouse. So start with you and you know, really get clear on what's true about me, but then what's true about my spouse. Yeah,
0: that's that's perfect. Well, Let's turn to um, our weekly Q&A, and this is the part of the show where we're going to answer your burning questions about marriage.
1: Please send us your questions. You can click the link in the show notes or go to crazylittlethingcalledmarriage.com and click the button on the side of our show page to leave us a voicemail. And if your question gets answered on the show, we're going to send you a copy of our book, Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage. 12 Secrets to a Lifelong Romance, for free, as our way of saying thank you for listening and reaching out to us.
0: Yeah, and today's question comes from Jennifer. So let's listen to the voicemail that she sent in.
3: Hi, Greg and Aaron, um, How does a married couple find time to spend together when their kids get older? Our children are 11 and 8, and my husband wants to spend two hours with me every single evening, are his expectations too high? Yes, we want to spend time together, but it's getting harder as the children get older. So what does that look like?
1: It's such a great question. And yes, the ages of your children, 11 and eight, that is a, it's a busy season. They're in school possibly, or you're homeschooling, and they have activities in the evenings and maybe a wanna church, something going on on Wednesday nights, who knows? a lot going on going to and from the household. So yes, spending time together is important, absolutely. But it also can be challenging, especially in this season.
0: Definitely. And Jennifer, I want to commend your husband. So thank him on behalf of all of us husbands. I love the way that, that he's battling to have time with you there alone, that, that that's a great, 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 great thing. Mm-hmm. So see that, you know, see his heart, understand that, that he wants to be with you, wants to spend that time. Obviously, a strong marriage requires time. What was the old saying that, you know, that we spell love, T-I-M-E. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I, I love that. You know I also think to aaron 's point that a part of the hallmark of of kids in an age range is that we just have to be flexible and adaptable as much as I would want to spend two hours every night
2: mm-hmm. Aaron
0: with you. I just understand that sometimes because of our kids activities and just some things that are going on, mm-hmm. it's probably not going to happen, mm-hmm. and so I have a choice in that matter. Mm-hmm. I can sulk, I can resist, I can okay. fight against that. Or I can understand that probably the right expectation is we're not going to be able to do this every night. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would then begin to no, – I'm not saying you should challenge your husband. I might really have him look at the motivation behind that Is there something else going on for him Mm -hmm. that that maybe he's got to deal with and and really start to look at some of the motivations? I'm not saying there is.
1: Yeah. Well, what I would say is I hear about this exact scenario a lot when couples come in for counseling, because oftentimes when um, the connection maybe hasn't been as strong in the marriage um as one or both spouses wanted maybe um especially for women and moms we tend to put that energy toward the kids and sometimes as moms we have a propensity to you know take care of our children because they need us and they need lots of time and attention and sometimes a husband can you know be left feeling left out yeah. and they actually say one of the greatest attachment injuries that happens within a marriage that no one talks about is having children. Hmm. Because you think about when it's just you and your spouse, all of your attention is on each other, especially as a wife, my attention is on you. But then as I became a mom, I mean, our bodies are physiologically based to pay lots of attention to that baby. Every beckoning call that baby has, you know, our bodies are responding to that. So it's an attachment injury because the husband is oftentimes left going, wait, what about me? Yeah. Where and did so, my wife go? Yes. And yeah. actually, I'm speaking to a young moms group on Tuesday. And what one thing that they wanted me to cover is encourage these young moms. To pay attention to their husbands, because oftentimes we can get sidetracked, and our focus begins our main focus begins to be the kids,
0: yeah and that's what I would say that that I'm not suggesting Jennifer that your husband has you know a, an alternative motive uh-huh. but but I will say this that i that I've had conversations with a lot of guys who really wanted to spend that time with their wives because one they didn't understand how important it was. For them to have some alone time, mm-hmm. to do the self care, to take good care of themselves, they wanted to spend all that time with their wife, and so they were neglected mm-hmm. as individuals. And that's why Jennifer, Erin, and I would simply say we're, we're always trying to balance three things within our marriage, in in our families. Mm-hmm. That you know, I need I need time. With the Lord, I need time you know spending with the Lord, taking good care of myself, you know exercising, doing the kinds of things that that we would say is godly self care so that 's one
4: mm-hmm.
0: there's also then our marriage relationship, and again, Jennifer, it sounds like you guys are doing great there. But then they're also, I'm trying to balance that time of our relationship with each one of our children. Mm -hmm. And so I have to matter, our marriage has to matter, and then those relationships with our children have to matter. And that's what we're trying to figure out constantly is how do we balance all that time? And two hours every night together might not... Create a balance there. It might, mm-hmm. but that's what you guys really want to talk about.
1: Yes. And being creative, like how do we get time together in this season? I know for you and I, Greg, so often we were sitting at activities either in the car, and yeah. you know, we'd bring lawn chairs and sit mm-hmm. on the sidelines of soccer fields, in the stands, um, at basketball. and chauffeurs. Yes. Yeah. You know, so we, we used that time to connect, yeah. and we would sit away from everybody else and we would talk and check in and just, you know, shoot the breeze and just spend time together and laugh. And, you know, it's just being creative. And so I would, I would encourage you, Jennifer, to go to your husband and tell him, I so appreciate that you want time with me. Some days two hours will work and some days two hours won't. But let's, let's put our minds together yeah. and figure out something that works um, for you and for me and for our family. Because I want to prioritize our marriage. Our marriage is the most important thing, you know, even above our children. Yeah. Our strong marriage actually brings safety to our children. Right. So making sure that we're in this together and we will figure out something that works for both of us in this season.
0: Yeah, I love that because you guys could talk about how are we taking good care of us as individuals, and that requires time. Mm-hmm. How are we taking care of us as a couple And then how are we taking care of us as a family and the relationship with our kids and and fill out those three and make sure those are in balance.
1: Yes. So good. Well, thanks to Jennifer for your question and look out for your copy of Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage. And if you're listening today and you have questions for us, contact us. Click the link in the show notes to leave us a voicemail. And remember, you can always remain anonymous. Thank you for joining us for Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage. We hope this episode gave you some practical tips for battling spiritual warfare in your marriage.
0: Yeah, be sure to like, listen, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And be sure to share this episode with your friends. You know, we want you to have a seat at the table every week as we help equip you and your spouse to have a lifelong and satisfying marriage. We want to see you growing spiritually as individuals and as a couple so that you can turn around and invest in another couple to help them build a thriving marriage.
1: Thank you again for listening. And we'll talk with you next week about this crazy little thing called marriage.